You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 165 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. And Andy. Hello, hello, hello. I believe Jay, uh, it was Matt the other week, I think it's Jay this week that's tied to an office desk. We can't. We all seem to love working overtime. It's that time of the year, isn't it? It's uh, always very busy in the office. <laughs> Crunch time. Um, Jay will be back next week, though. But we've still got a really good podcast uh, to record because, uh, Matt, I believe we're going to be talking about a new book that you have in your possession. That is right. Book of the Outcast, the latest supplement for Necromunda. And it's really, really cool. So we're going to be chatting about that a little bit later on in the show. To celebrate the release of the Stormcast Dragons, this week's top three, we're going to be picking out our top three dragons from the Warhammer universe. Um, there are, and, and, and when Matt set this last week, you were quite sort of, you left it a little bit open, didn't you, Matt? This is it. There's a lot of things with dragon in the name that you could get a cheeky entry onto the list with. If you want to think outside the box. Yeah, so we're going to be chatting about those a little bit later on in the show, and we will be reading out the community top three picks right at the end of the show. We also have a good helping of news this week as well. Uh, lots on um, pre-order. Well, there's a lot on pre-order. There's a, there's a bit on pre-order. Um, but before we get stuck into all of that, let's talk about what we've been doing in the hobby this past week. Matt, would you like to start us off? Okay, so I've had a busy week or two. Um, so yeah, we were we were lucky enough to get an absolute stack of stuff from Games Workshop uh, related to Zomotalis, uh Book of the Outcast. We got the Zomotalis Underhive Market, which I rapidly painted up in like two nights. It's amazing looking. I know you're tempted to get one of these, Dave. I 100% am. Yeah, it's uh, it's really really nice. And um, while building it, you can actually assemble it in a few different ways. So there's what we've seen in all the imagery on the website is single kind of like market stores that go up against the walls of the zone mortalis you can actually put two frames together to make a big standalone one for the market of your dreams uh, alongside that they also sent us the underhive outcast plastic set as well so they are built and sprayed there on my desk ready for painting and i've also been frantically painting up camera's eye and the storm drake guard oh they are nice models oh, so nice really, really so cool. so nice and um, this week, we, we, we should have been talking about how we got on at the AOS team event. Unfortunately, due to the uh, intervention of Nurgle uh, flooding the streets of Nottingham with foul fluids, um, we, we weren't able to go to the, to the event. They, they cancelled it. However, as luck would have it, they actually managed to finish the, um, the, the kind of work on the Friday, I want to say. So Warhammer World was opening on the Saturday. So we decided to head down to Warhammer World, take some armies and roll some dice. And we had a good day out, didn't we? We had a really good day out. Yeah, it was really good fun. I mean, we all, we all, because we spent a good few hours there, we all got, we, it was a bit of a Sprues and Brews round tournament, wasn't it? It was, um, yeah. We each got to play each other, um, which was really good. The Stormcast Dragons got to have a, I would say a run out, but more like a fly out. Um, fly out, yeah. <laughs> how, were they, how were they to play with, Matt? So I, I think I maybe should have been a bit more cagey with them, using more for their awesome range attack than throwing them at Mega Gargants and, and Kragnos and stuff. But they were really, really fun to use. They're really quick. Um, I got absolutely battered 
by Andy's uh, Mega Gargants. So I think I was actually bottom of our little league with Andy. <laughs> Andy winning the day. Um, but it was really, really fun. It was it was, it was was nice just to roll some dice. We were saying on, on Saturday, I, I can't remember the last time I played the game of Warhammer with you, Dave. I know it's been it's been quite a while, hasn't it? Um, like I say, it's, it's that time of year. There's there's quite a bit going on, so it's hindering our hobby time. But no, it, it was great. It was great um, getting to to go to Warhammer World, and it was great that they got to reopen as well. Uh, mm. And of course, you know, we we all bought some stuff as well. So let's see if a bonus of going to Warhammer World. Excellent. Um, do you think you'll you'll have those Stormcrash Dragons all finished before Christmas, Matt? I haven't finished by the end of the week, Dave. <laughs> I've, got, I've got three dragons to base. Uh, I might, I kind of want to add some darker patches to Karazai because he's looking a bit red at the minute. I'm happy with the the Storm Drake guy, but I think he just needs something to break up the skin a little bit. So I think I'm going to go in with some darker dry brushing on some of the panels, just to give him an aged kind of rugged look I, to I'm, it. I'm I'm going to preempt a possible listener question. What made you go for Karazai? Uh, it's red and it's angry. <laughs> that's the key kind of decision in a big dragon isn't it there you go that's that that's the that's the thought that went into which which model to build out yeah, of the, no, the two there's no te- there's no tactical thought i went for the big angry red one <laughs> excellent excellent yeah they, they look really awesome if, you, if you've got a stormcast army you need to be picking these up i'll definitely be getting some uh sometime in the next year when i work on my dominion stormcast stuff uh, and start my new um my new storm host um, Andy, uh, what have you been up to? Um, so not quite as much as Matt. Um, I managed to get a little bit painted this week. Um, so I finished off um, a unit of 10 Mortec Guard uh, from a Bone Reaper. So now I'm just down to the last 10 Mortec Guard. Um, I built the Volk Mortian um, that I bought off you, Dave. So mm-hmm. he's sort of ready to get primed, but obviously... But the weather has not been kind to us this week. And, um, yeah, the, the one day where I was trying to get him sprayed, it, it decided to uh, to snow. Um, yeah. Bizarrely enough, which never really happens where I live. And, of course, it just happens to do it on my day off. But, you know, I've also been um, – we were fortunate enough to get a copy of a um, Balanced Tomb game um, from Games Workshop. And so I've um, been painting up – some members of the fellowship have painted up Frodo and Gandalf so far, um, but I've got base colours down on Merry and Pippin as well, so I'm 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 working my way through that. And yeah, despite the fact that I actually started this hobby by getting into Middle Earth, I've never painted up the full fellowship. So yeah, but I think that's going to be my main aim for the next couple of weeks, just to get them well, done. Your uh, Gandalf and Frodo look awesome, Andy. Yeah, oh, thank you. Yeah, I, they were they were really fun to do. Um, I mean, I think I've started with the two easiest members of the fellowship because there's not a lot of colours difference mm. between them. But you know, um, and I think that's it. I'm sure there was something else, but you know, when you you hit that record button and your mind goes blank. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously we went up to Warhammer World and we played a couple of games. Obviously, I played. Um, against your War Clans, Dave, and against Matt Stormcast, um, and I think that was like my third and fourth game with my Giants, and I really got a feel for how the army plays. Like I think playing the army at a tournament and what have you, again, it's super good, it's super strong, and I think that's going to be my my tournament army 
Um, but yeah, I think against you guys, um, what I'm going to plan to do in the new year is um, pull the trigger and buy myself Kragnos and then I can play around with the list a little bit mm. um, and even try and take a different tribe because I was taking um, uh, the, the same list that I would have taken to the team tournament had we gone. But um, yeah, I think not taking a taker tribe and taking a, um, a, a, a breaker tribe or stomper tribe or something along those lines would have been a bit, uh, yeah, a bit more enjoyable, I think. Um, because uh, the last game against Matt was, um, was um yeah, it was pretty bloody, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, it was. So yeah, I think I'm gonna have to self comp myself on uh, on that list, and <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah what, what was what was really funny about you uh, on Saturday, Andy, is I think on both of the games you started with some absolutely shocking dice rolls, um, and then as the game went on, it it went completely the other way. Yeah, and you were rolling yeah. many, many sixes. Yeah, it's like the death grip attack. It's like one attack that hits on a three and does d6 damage. And I was rolling like five and sixes towards the end of the day, which is great fun. But yeah, it's my dice rolls. You know, I'm just <laughs> as likely to roll a double one as anything else. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a really, really, really fun day. Um, for me, uh, I mean, I will see. Yeah, I took my war clans. I took my uh, like Andy. I took my tournament list basically that we had been playing with over the weekend. Um, I love using my orcs. Um, I actually think when we come to do Path to Glory next year, I'm probably going to work on my cruel boys um, and get those um, into their own standalone army, and then I can all you know I can use them with my orcs then and do like a big war, and, and that'll be really really fun. Um, and I do. There is there is a few you know bits and bobs I want to actually add to my iron jaws as well because I don't have a much uh, I don't have much flexibility in my list right at the moment because it's kind of based on what I've got. So maybe that's something to look at into the new year. But um, other than playing games on Saturday, what else have I been doing in the hobby this week? Um, I painted a Hellblaster, a, De- a Deathwatch Hellblaster, um, which was quite fun. But what was weighing on my mind is um, I, I'm, I'm really I can't tell you how excited I am to play some Crusade in the new year when we're regularly sort of playing games again. Um, and I really want wanted, I've mentioned on the show for the past few weeks, I really want to do a new army, you know, ideally mainly for Crusade, that I could really get my teeth into, like, some really cool narrative content. And I just didn't feel, as much as I love the Death Watch, I didn't feel that they, the, the, the book didn't help me in that kind of regards. So on Saturday... I pulled the trigger and I came home with a brand new codex. I came home with the codex for the Adepta Sororitas. That's, I pronounced that right, haven't I, Matt? That is, that is correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's lots of words in this book that I'm going to be absolutely shocking at pronouncing for the first like 12 months. But um, I tell you what, I mean, you've 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 got this book, Matt, but it's a fantastic read, isn't it? I, you know what? I have actually got this. Jay did, Jay did the review of the, uh, oh, the book. Of course he did. Yeah. Well, it's it's a great book anyway. And um, I, I, I've built. I've started building last night. Uh, the novitiate. Nov, 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 I started building last night. The novitiates. 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 From uh, Kill Team Chalnaf. Um, so you get ten, ten of those ladies in there. They're, they're quite sort of small, um, so that I think there'll be a little bit of a challenge to paint. But you know, we, sh- you know, I should be pushing on my painting really, so uh, that'll make a nice little challenge. Um, and then going into the new year, 
I'm planning on picking up a, a combat patrol and I might also be picking up one of those battle force boxes as well. Um, so I should have a nice, healthy 50 power level army um, ready to build come uh, 2022 and to have some really cool games of Crusade with. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, apart from that, that's that's probably me in the hobby this week, I think. Uh, yeah, looking forward to getting stuck into to more hobbying over the next seven days. Maybe get some more Death Watch painted. I also need to get my Goliaths finished, actually, because um, I'll be needing those shortly. I think that brings us to the end of our intro to this week's show. We've got quite a bit to get through, so we're going to take a pause and we're going to come back with all of this week's news. So what do we have in this week's news, Matt? Well, the time we've all been waiting for is here. This year's Christmas Battle Force boxes are up for pre-order. So um, we talked in these quite some detail last week, so I'm not going to go into what's in them this week again. Um, they all cost £130, which is a £5 increase over last year. Apart from the Orc box and the Admech box, they're £125. If you head over to sprueesandbrews.com, I've got an article with the breakdown of what's in every box, the value of it and the savings. So, uh, yeah, there's some there's some good deals to be had there, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah. Some really, really good deals. Too many good deals. Too many good deals. <laughs> Arguably, some of them are better deals than others. Um, but I know I think both of you have got your eyes set on a combat uh, on a yeah, battle force, haven't you? Oh, yeah. 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 I go back and forth. Um, I like all of the Age Sigma ones apart from Lumineth. And even some of the 40k ones are catching my eye, but I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> Save the money. <laughs> I was um I was tempted by the Slanesh one, but um I want to try and get my Gene Stealer courts done for the next year for when the new codex comes out. So I think I'll be working on them the first part of the year and uh, probably plodding on with my Stormcast for AOS. So I'm going to resist, but I know where. Uh, yeah, you're very tempted by the uh, the sisters, aren't you? Yeah, I'll be um, I'll be picking up the the sisters um, because I, I was talking to to you guys off um, off recording. You get an awful lot in the the initial fifty power level of sisters. So yeah, by getting that and and a few extra boxes, that should um, set me on the the right path to a, a crusade. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to picking that up and getting them built. Amazing. Um, so yeah, but that's not all. That's sort of pre-order. There's also a Rohan Stronghold box. I believe this is probably direct only. I don't know how much it is. Um, but last time it was out, you got a huge saving on those individual scenery kits. And they're gorgeous kits. Um, even if you don't play the Middle Earth strategy battle game, if you play, for example, Elder Scrolls Call to Arms, this really fits the Skyrim kind of vibe as well. And it's the right scale too. So, uh, yeah, I've been using it for that. Really, really good set. Oh, nice. I didn't know if it was you scale. want... Yeah, it's, it's, uh, they're, just, they're both slightly smaller scales than like Warhammer. Really? So, um, yeah, it works really, really well. Um, Amon Hen, the Forge World scenery set is also up for pre-order this weekend uh, to celebrate the 20th anniversary of The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. This looks gorgeous. I don't know how much it is. I'm going to say it ain't going to be cheap. We no. saw it in person in the cabinets in Warhammer World when we went to the uh, Pancalis weekend and it looks so good, doesn't it, Andy? Yeah, it does look really good. I I just finished watching the um, the Fellowship of a Ring and that bit when Aragorn sort of realizes um, that there's orcs nearby where he sees Frodo's sword glowing and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it's such an iconic 
part of the Fellowship of the Ring, and yeah, it's it's going to be great to see that on the. I can hear Boromir's horn blasting out now <laughs> before he gets filled with arrows. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I, I'd really like to pick this up. I have to see how much it is because it does look cool. So yeah, and then also from Forgewood, we've got the Sons of Horus Cataphracti Praetor. This again is an amazing model. It'd work really well to uh, use as one of the other members of the Mournful as well. That's um, Horus's elite kind of, uh, uh, I guess, lieutenant to, um, yeah, plan out the actions of the heresy. So, yeah, really, really nice. Warhammer World, we've got some new events on the way. Now, um, I know we, we got really excited about a couple of events over the last couple of months. In March, there's two more events coming. So on the 12th and the 13th of March, we have got Kill Team Operations. This is a three-player Kill Team tournament. Same kind of format as the AOS teams. You have, but you have three of you playing Kill Team. It sounds really, really cool. Tickets are 100, £195 for a team of three. And you play six games over the weekend. Because you can squeeze in another game of, of uh, Kill Team with it being a slightly quicker-to-play game. I'd really like to get some kill team on the go, especially if we're doing some path to get some crusade and stuff. It's a nice excuse to use a little kill team from that force. Yeah. Also in Warhammer World, on the 19th and 20th of March, we have got an Age of Sigmar play event. Now, I think me and Andy attempted to go to this one. Uh, it's your standard AOS tournament at Warhammer World. So, yeah, can't wait. Um, tickets £65. Looks really cool. I'll be trying to get a ticket. Andy's trying to get a ticket. We'll roll some dice. I'll probably bring Archeon or some dragons. Mm. I don't know yet. Um, I'm, I'm, I was hoping that we'd see a glimpse of a Path to Glory event, but I suspect they're probably waiting on the um, Path to Glory supplement, yeah. mission pack, yeah. whatever, to get you know a bit more Path to Glory content out there before they do an event. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the events at Warhammer World are really cool, so I am thoroughly looking forward to playing some Age of Sigmar. Both of those are on sale on the 6th of December at 7pm. Be there, Sharp, otherwise you won't get one, basically, because they've been super, super popular events recently. I yeah. believe they're increasing the capacity a smidgen. But oh, are they? I think uh, so. Okay. I think it's 60 players this time. I think we were 40 players at the last one, Andy. Yeah, I think it was 40 players. So, yeah, I think it's just, just gradually testing the waters and see how it goes. It was, it was from like a covid and safety point of view there was plenty of space around the tables it was nice and spacious it felt you know safe and comfortable didn't it andy yeah i i mean it's but the way they space out the tables and stuff like that yeah it was it it was so nice because you you never really felt crowded like i i've been to some events at warhammer wood where you are literally like i don't want to say back to back but but it, it's it's a bit more cramped and yeah the last when we went to the um, Escape from Pancalus event, that was perf- yeah, that was amazing because it was it was so nice and spread out, and you even had gaps in between all the tables and stuff. So yeah, yeah. so yeah, watch this space. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be reporting on that if we manage to get tickets. For next Monday, there's a couple of new models on the way, and these look amazing. And coincidentally, it go really nicely with the uh, the Underhide Market. That is the Slopper and the Scabber. Have you seen <laughs> these models, guy? It's, it's the most unhygienic cock in all of the underhive. I mean, I really like the the, the, the existing model for the slopper is a halfling. Yeah, I, I, I saw I on never um, thought that they do multiple slopper models. 
I, I saw on Twitter, isn't he using a plasma pistol to heat his food or something? Yeah, I, because that's a normal thing. He's just so grim. He just he just looks so grim that guy. But um, <laughs> I really like the, uh, the 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 other guy with like you know what are you buying kind of vibe to him. <laughs> what are you buying? He's absolutely yeah, got yeah. that's the first thing I thought of when I saw him. <laughs> yeah, same. I, I saw that and I was like, yeah, that's that guy from Resident Evil Four, isn't it? Yeah. So he a, a scab is basically a way of selling uh, black market goods. In your, in your campaigns so it depends which side of the law you're on you know you might be a, a goody two shoes dave i imagine you'll be a lawful necromunda gang won't you my outcasts are absolutely on the wrong side of the tracks <laughs> so they'll be employing the services of this young gentleman so yeah really really cool um i don't know when they're out soon ish I guess. Uh, next year, I think the article said. Early next year. Ne- early next year, cool. Okay, we'll put it in your diary because, uh, yeah, uh, in one pack. So that's cool. So mm. they'll be both available in the same blister. So, yeah, I'll be picking them up. For Blood Bowl, we've seen a big FAQ just um, smoothing out a few things. It's been a year now since the new edition of the game came out. And, uh, yeah, we saw a brand new model. It is a dwarf with a bazooka for f- firing the ball far far down the pitch his name is barrack farblast who's <laughs> the title i guess he looks really cool doesn't he it does it doesn't look like a blood bowl player really does he <laughs> kind of looks like a like a caradron <laughs> he does he really does um but a very very cool model very dynamic i love how they've done like all the smoking stuff as like coming out of the missile launch with the, the ball at the front yeah it's very clever yeah, have you got a dwarf uh, blood bowl team still? I, I do, I do, but um, they're not, they're not, they're not painted. Um, my my painted blood bowl team is my my good old ogres. Ah, we need to uh, we need to hit the gridiron and, and and play some blood bowl soon. I feel. Yeah. And then finally, in the news, um, obviously every month Games Workshop have a collectible coin and a free miniature. So from the fourth of December, if you spend sixty pounds in store, you get a free Imperial Aquila coin which is nice, nice 40k themed one to add to the collection. And if you just turn up in store and ask your store manager, while stocks last, you will get your very own Gene Steeler Cultist. Yay! Yeah, so, you know, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of the four-armed emperor, so uh, I might be popping down to our, our local store and seeing if there's a, uh, a Gene Steeler Cultist going, because, uh, yeah, you can never have enough, enough of them. Especially, we saw a couple of previews um, here or there about uh, Gene Steeler Cortis being able to, like, resummon dead people with banners. So I'm looking mm. forward to seeing the uh, the codex when it comes out because that sounds quite an interesting mechanic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, I, I think they're going to be so much fun because at the moment they're like the runt of ninth edition, aren't they? And I think they're yeah. going to get a, a boost, a serious, serious boost. Uh, and I think we'll see we'll be seeing a lot more Gene Steeler Cult players. And that is this week's news. Excellent stuff. So quite a bit in there. Um, and I th- I we're rapidly running out of weeks as well. I don't think we're going to have quite as much of a pre-order next week, but we'll, we'll soon we'll soon see um, when the next episode rolls around. That brings us to the end of that segment. It's time to talk a little bit more about Necromunda because we're going to be delving into the Book of the Outcast. Be right back.
And so we dive into the underhive with the latest Necromunda supplement and the latest gang as well. Now, Matt is our resident Necromunda expert. So I want to hand the reins of this part of the podcast over to you, Matt. Well, we've been treated over the last few years with a wide array of of Necromunda supplement books. So a lot of people, when when they release a new edition of the game, um, were were a little bit concerned that, oh, would it get support? Would it get the love? I'd argue there's probably been more Necromunda books than than, than some factions have had in the entire lifetime of the game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've had all the, the six House of books. We've got a load of book ofs that came before that. And it looks like this is where we've gone back to. We kind of speculated where were they going to go next? Where are they going to invent a new a new gang? Where are they going to explore another part of the Underhive? And they've done something a little bit different in Book of the Outcast, which is it's a weird book. It's kind of half Outcast supplement and half kind of cool ideas for arbitrators to use when creating their game. <laughs> it, where where the other kind of the other house of books uh, uh, i guess the closest thing you can call them is a codex equivalent for um for necromunda book of the outcast is a little bit different and it, it's really cool because of that so we, we find out the lore of, of what outcasts are an outcast is a a catch-all term for anyone who's been essentially exiled from necromundan life they're not necessarily criminals they could be people who've been betrayed and, and fallen on hard times. They could be big criminal organizations that are working outside of the law. They could be things like uh, groups of psychers who banded together and getting hunted by witch hunters and have had to hide out in the outskirts of Necromunda. They could be the various kind of road tribes that live out in the badlands outside the planet in a Mad Max kind of style. It could be a, a, a mercenary um, a bounty hunter who's gathered together a little entourage of various scum and villainy who followed his charismatic lead. <laughs> Lots of really cool stuff. And it all falls under the umbrella term for, for outcast. Now, because of this, a standard Necromunda list wouldn't work quite as well as it does in the other house of books. So what's different about this book is that, first of all, when your leader dies, essentially the entire Band, uh, the entire uh, gang disbands and you immediately oh. create a new a new gang at 75 percent of the value of the previous one you're free to use people who were in that existing gang or you could have completely new ones and basically that represents the leader getting killed and people then fighting over leadership of that gang people fleeing and disappearing because actually they don't think they're going to survive without the uh, the leader that was uh, leading them which is really different. And it means that if your leader dies, you could have a rapidly shrinking gang here. And I quite mm. like the narrative that the guy who was maybe a champion in the first gang has then taken over and become the leader in the second gang. There's really cool narrative stuff you can do there, who then gets backstabbed by his mate. And the you know guy who was maybe just a ganger in the, in the second gang is now a leader in the third gang. Hopefully your leader doesn't die that many times. So you've got a tiny little gang, but it could happen. And it all adds to the story. So that's a pretty big, um, you know, consequence of it, of him dying. So there must be some perks, right? Well, there are. Hmm. Don't worry. You've got three ways of creating your leader in a outcast uh, gang. The first way is the most straightforward. And essentially it works like the Venator Bounty Hunters in um, House of, I can't remember, Book of the something. 
the one with the bounty hunters in. And um, yeah, basically you get a choice of stat line that you can pick from, ranging from, a, I don't know, seven inch movement, four plus weapon skill, two plus ballistic skill, toughness three, running all the way through to a four inches, three plus weapon skill, toughness four, three wound guy. So mm. you could have, you know, squats in there. You could have elf pirates in there and everything in between. So it's, it, I quite like that you can get whatever model you want from any range and then find the stat line that fits for them. Mm. And then you can go to town and you can arm them with all sorts of stuff from the um, from the trading post, as long as it's r- uh, rarity nine or less. There's no like table or chart. You just arm them with whatever you want to arm them with because they're really cool. So, yeah, that's a pretty cool way of doing it. Then you pick an affiliation for them. So this is where they come from. So have they got a clan? Are they from one of the houses? Were they maybe originally a merchant? Are they part of a criminal organisation? Again, quite a lot of narrative flavour. Picking one of those will unlock gear from that faction. And here's where your arbitrator might want to get involved a little bit and give you a bit of guidance. Mm. Because if your um, your leaders may be from a criminal organisation... Well, they've probably got access to a lot of black market stuff and, you know, outlawed Xenos tech, maybe. Mm. So, yeah, definitely some fun stuff you can do with that. So so that's pretty cool as, as a Necromunda leader goes. But it gets even better than that, Dave. It gets even better than that. So another, the second option you've got is pick your uh, gang from a delegation. So in Necromunda, you can pledge support to one of the various guilds that operate on the planet, the Water Guild, the Slaver Guild, the um, House Green Military Attaché, all those cool models that we've seen and all those cool profiles that we've seen in the, the House of Books. You can pledge allegiance to them and they, but basically that you, you they can join your warband. You, there's normally a cost involved, but there's benefits and, and downsides to, to having them in your warband. Now, this book allows you to build a war, a, a gang out of that delegation so you take the models from the um the water guild siphoning delegation for example and the master nautican becomes your leader he's got a points cost and he has the profile of the book the uh, siphonite becomes a ganger and then the uh, sorry champion and then the big sub nautican the big uh, big daddy looking guy becomes a ganger so all oh, that nice. then costs 435 credits they gain experience as normal you can give different bits of war gear as normal and then your remaining 500 and whatever credits, you can then buy the generic gangers out of this book and champions out of this book as well. I think this is such a cool idea because mm. I think all Necromunda players have fallen in love with those dele- delegation gangs. Yeah, they want to use them more, don't they? And this is the perfect way of doing so. Exactly, yeah. And you get an experience. You've got you've got kind of bespoke champions in there. It's really, really cool. So that's that's pretty awesome. But there's a third way of building your leader for a outlaw gang, and that is take any named character in the game, pay their credits cost, and then they are your leader. They gain experience as normal. You don't have to pay the kind of hiring fee each game that you normally would do with a with a mercenary. Oh, I it's like that. Super cool. So if you want, yeah, if you want Cal Jericho as your warband leader, you can have him, and he can gain experience and gain skills and stuff if you want any of those forge world resin models as your leader with their actual stat line you can do that this is something that i wish was in the uh, venator bounty hunter rules because yeah. in that basically you've got to kind of make a profile that's a bit like them but obviously they haven't got the same gear no. now obviously that is a little bit open to abuse if you 
the thing with Necromunda is it's a bit more, I don't know, narrative. It's a bit more kind of RPG elements to it. So what I would say is just run it by your arbitrator and make sure they're happy with it. Mm. Because mm. obviously you can game the system a little bit there and get like the greatest hero in the world, which might work for some Necromunda campaigns. Because let's face it, when he bites the bullet, you're going to be making a new gang at 75% of that value, which is kind of like a built-in balancing mechanic. Yeah. Um, but obviously your arbitrator might not want you rocking up in game one with this absolutely badass uh, bounty hunter guy leading them. But it's such a cool rule. And what you can do is even buy different gear and swap out what they've got. Really, really nice. I'm so glad they did that. I hope we get a new version of the uh, Venator Bounty Hunters with a similar kind of mechanic. Because, again, it means that out, uh, outcast players can literally use any model from the Warhammer 40,000 or Necromunda or Forge World Rangers or just scratch build something or convert something. I think this gang in particular is going to be a converter's dream. It 100% sounds like that, doesn't it? Like, build your own Necromunda gang, basically. Pretty much, yeah, yeah, pretty much. So I'm not going to do too much detail because I've done a video and a write-up as well, but you can buy champions as you would as normal. All of your leader and champion models have what's called archetypes. So you can say they're a brawler or a gunslinger or a weird, and they will have different skills that relate to that. Again, it just makes it a bit more modular. You build the characters that you want. The outcasts don't have any juves. Traditionally, Necromunda, you want to go heavy on juves because they're going to be going experienced and they become characters in their own rights. That concept doesn't kind of exist with the outcasts because this represents a couple of strong, powerful individuals and then the cannon fodder around them. Mm. Okay. So what they do have is the hive scum. They cost 30 credits. They're going to die horrifically, but that is their job to die <laughs> in place of the valiant leader. <laughs> they are the cannon fodder. They're the cannon fodder. Yeah. They can become specialists, and at that point, you can give them like decent weapons, and then you might care more about their life. But um, yeah, they're, they're rocking around with like auto guns and pistols and smashing faces and getting in the way. So your awesome, tooled out bounty hunter leader or whatever you decide to do doesn't get shot basically that's their job so yeah really really cool book i i'm really looking forward to creating a oh <laughs> i'm gonna do a gang for each of the delegations because i really like the models i've got the slaver gang i've got the uh the water gang i've got the house green military attache so all of those will be turned into into gangs that i can use i know andy i don't think you've played necromander and dave you've been toying with um all ox and um uh, Goliath. Goliaths, yes. So, I mean, obviously they're a bit more kind of like standard gangs where it's a case of just pick up a couple of boxes from Games Workshop. What are your thoughts on the more complex kind of like craft your own gang thing in this book? I really like it, and it's actually tempting me to to pick the book up as well because um, there's so much of like the different gangs and models that I really, really like. This is kind of the way of... Um, of, of getting all that into into one gang i mean it'd be cool to create something that would tie them all together um maybe like obviously you could do that with like your color choice but yeah the more you talk about it and the, the you know when i read your review and stuff yeah it's really tempted me to maybe look at that i think i as somebody getting into like necromunda i think i want to have the like uh, pick one like the orlocks um concentrate on those learn the game inside out and then, you know, maybe pick up the book of the outcasts and build my own gang. I think I think that's the best way of getting into it. 
yeah, yeah I, I, I'd say so. Yeah, I'm 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 going to say the exact same thing as Dave because I'm looking at the um, Palanite Subjugator Patrol now, and even like the normal um, Palantine Palanite Palanite. I'm going to say that. Um, they they look so cool, like super super cool, and I really like the look of them. And I think they're going to be like my gang to get into it. I mean. When we were up at Warhammer World at the weekend, um, one of the only things I did buy was the Necromunda rulebook, and it's sat right in front of me now. And just as you've been talking, Matt, I've been sort of like flicking through and looking at like visibility arcs and all this sort of stuff to, you know, get me sort of like looking at Necromunda a bit more. But yeah, I think with like um, Book of the Outcasts and stuff like that, I think the amount of customization that you can do, you know, it. it I, for me personally, I'm, I look at it and like, I, I would rather start with one of the books first, get used to yeah. it that way, and, and then as like a second gang or something like that, then jump, jump into the Book of the Outcast. And like you said, when you, you, you can have like um, elf pirates and stuff like that, I was just like, you know, thinking straight away of as, you know, um, the Scourge Privateers and stuff like that that you yeah. could use as like the basis and stuff like that. And, I think all that customization is is super super cool. Yeah, I, d- I definitely agree with. That. I, th- I don't think this is maybe a, a kind of entry level gang. It's good to have an understanding of how the game works, both from the point of view of you're going to get overwhelmed with all the different options that you can go with, and B from in Necromunda, you're not necessarily trying to break the system, make the greatest hero of all time. You want the, the story to continue. You want the fun with the other players. Um, you, you you said you recently picked up the Necromunda rule book, Andy, and it is a lot more in depth than um, than 40k. It is I, I always say it kind of verges on kind of RPG elements, and it's a lot of its DNA goes back to second edition 40k, which was a much more complex game. Um, but it works because you've only got a small you know handful of models, so you can have firing arcs and injuries and all that kind of stuff. Necromunda works best when you've got an arbitrator. So essentially, in other games speak, a games master who they can be involved in the campaign, but they will run things. They'll make sure everything goes smoothly. They'll have the overall story arc going in the background. And the second half of this book really is kind of a toolbox for stuff for um, for the arbitrator. As we've seen in the House of Books, we get additional hangers on and mercenaries and all kind of cool stuff. Now, where people are maybe kind of gazed over them in the past because it's a big investment to hire a mercenary the fact that you can hang on a second i can have this mercenary as my as my leader in my starting force suddenly means that a lot of people will be going back through those other house of books having a closer look at the the mercs there's some really cool stuff in here so lady credo we saw recently released who's a bit of a noble swashbuckling kind of like crime lord she looks amazing and now i can have her as the leader of my gang she's absolutely going to be in there but she's got a lot of competition too there's i can't find him in the book there's a guy in here who's essentially the mandalorian he's a <laughs> um a mysterious cowboy gunslinger guy in stolen palanite armor and he just has like a a, a cloak and a hood over his head he sounds amazing oh. too so there's so much cool stuff you can do um and that kind of moves into this, the second half of the book so we get ideas on uh, scenery when mm. the gang stronghold came out you got the rules for using that scenery in the box but it hadn't been included in a book until that point so in this book it gathers together the rules for gang strongholds and all the additional kind of details because you know there's gates and doors and 
sludge tanks and all sorts of different stuff that wouldn't necessarily be in a normal game because mm. you know it's what what's nice in games of necromunda is that you can build the story yourself so you can draw a map of the underhive where you're based and work out where each gang's kind of stronghold is and your arbitrator might have missions where one gang does a raid on another person's stronghold and if you start getting into the hobby side of it maybe you start building your own stronghold like dave i know you've got a lot of scenery and i imagine Mm -hmm. you'd be tempted to maybe make some stuff to represent where your gang hangs out yeah i would yeah i'd love to do that i think that'd be really good so so yeah this this contains rules for that it also contains rules for the underhive market which is really fun as well again it just expanding on on the new plastic kit that's come out but there's some really fun stuff where so mid-game your 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 ganger could try and steal stuff out of the till of a, of a market or maybe pinch a gun that's handing you know just sitting there on the side and there's all rules to represent that careful they might be booby trapped it's probably not the best idea but again <laughs> it just adds to the other cool stuff and again if an arbitrator's kind of writing all that in the background it kind of makes the the game more fun where you know maybe, maybe if andy's seen seen this amazing like plasma pistol on the side picks it up and doesn't realize that maybe it had a faulty faulty battery and blows his arm off he might think <laughs> twice about you know trying to steal stuff in future yeah definitely um, <laughs> something else that we see in here is weird powers as well so we get um quite a large section with um an ad- expanded list of psychic powers because we've got quite a few psycho heavy gangs now Mm. obviously with this book with your freedom to do whatever you like um you could have a psycho heavy force we saw in the dalak book that they're now very psycho heavy so it just expands out those psychic uh laws that you've got to add a bit more flavor and it means that anyone who's got maybe mercs that they've hired or or psychers that they've gained in a campaign gives them a, you know some more stuff they can do which is really fun the real meat of this book, though, is a brand new campaign, the Outlander campaign. So this represents a new region of Necromunda that's been found. So it could be at lower levels that they've been dug into and there's, there's no one there or maybe a stretch of land out on the outskirts, maybe even outside of, of, of the kind of hive cities. It's out in the badlands and it's just kind of untouched, dangerous, but potentially valuable land. So this campaign basically represents a number of different gangs now it's written from the point of view that they'd all be um outcasts because they're kind of in those shady areas but there's no reason why a house gang wouldn't be there you know maybe Mm. the goliaths actually want some territory here because there's some valuable resource and stuff that they want so or the enforcers turn up because hang on a second all these outcasts and low lives are setting up a shanty town on the on the outskirts of town we best send the uh, cops down and sort them out so yeah no reason why any gang can't be in it and it's really interesting it remind, reading it it reminded me of um some of the newer fallout games where you're kind of like doing up your territories and building structures and and trying to get it's it's a terrible hellish radioactive place but you're trying to get some basic settlements down and get some resources and improve them and defend them that's kind of the first half of the campaign then you have a week off and then the second half of the campaign basically all the gangs are out to get each other and take over their land and territory which again is really fun that it's it's weighted between that kind of like construction phase and the it all kicks off phase and that's not to say that you won't battle in the first half but your your kind of objectives might be different and to support this 
you get a full a full campaign list as well. So loads of different missions, loads of different rules, expanding on the stuff in the core book. I think the core book does have a campaign in there, and I know certainly the boxed games have got campaigns in there as well. I think they're different. Uh, it's nice to have a different campaign with a different kind of vibe. I quite like for like you guys new into Necromunda, I think this is a good one because it introduces the gangs, it introduces them building up their territories and kind of testing the waters with each other before it goes all guns blazing, you're all at war. Mm. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, that that sounds like a great way in, I think. Um, again, I think I want to have to pick up this book anyway. Um, but yeah, I think that sounds like a great entry point. Yeah. Um, for example, so we've, got, we've got a battle here, Market Mayhem where one gang is trying to nonchalantly kind of get through the market and like cause an ambush or something. So due to this, none of the gangs can take any heavy weapons or any weapons that are over strength five because the attacking gang, well, it's going to give away the game if they kind of wander through with a (laughs) missile launcher. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And the defending gang really doesn't want to shoot up their own uh, market stall. No. So I I just, I just picture, um, you know, slow motion pistol fights between these doors jumping from cover to cover while the the kind of civilians go running wild the the slopper and um scabber that they had earlier on warcom would be make really good like npcs to have man in your market and maybe they mm. could get in the way and the arbitrator can control all that so yeah there's some really really fun stuff in there and then the last part of the book, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but basically there's a new trading post. So it's been a couple of years since the new edition of Necromunda's come out, and there's been a lot of different items and costs that have been different across all the books. So what this does is collect together the definitive trading post. So this is the generic stuff that you can buy from the shops when you go after your game with updated costs and rarities and all that stuff. Really, really cool. Warcom did say a while ago that this was going to be free online, no idea if that's still the case. I hope so. I'd have thought so. Um, yeah, I thought so. It's, it's nice having it gathered together in this book, especially since the campaign and stuff's in here. It means that, you know, you, the arbitrator can run the campaign with just this book, really, which is really nice to see. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like I say, I've got a full video and write-up on it. I really like this book. I think a few people were worried that it was going to be a lot of recycled content, that the... Um, Obviously, there didn't look to be much in the way of profiles for the outcast stuff. Thankfully, you can dismiss those worries because it goes further than having profiles. It's just like take whatever profile you want and it'll work, which is really cool. Uh, My only kind of mark against this one, all those delegation gangs, their rules are in the household books. So while the points values are in this book, you would still need house of whatever where your uh, delegation gang comes from. I would have liked to have seen those profiles in this book just for completion, because otherwise you'd be bringing around, I don't know, House of Chains and the Book of the Outcast if you want to play a slaver entourage. Mm. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because they want to sell those other House of Books. Um, I guess this really appeals to experienced Necromunda players, so they might already have picked up those... Um, those other household books, so it might not be yeah, exactly, such of a exactly. big sort of outlay. Like I say, I think this book's really aimed at people who are running Necromunda campaigns because an outcast gang is a nice one that the arbitrator can use themselves. Mm. So if, if if one player's maybe getting a bit far ahead, maybe the arbitrator decides they get ambushed by an outcast gang to try and knock them down a peg or two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, 
really fun book though um i uh, i've been in love with necromunda the models have been amazing and the books have been outstanding so yeah if you haven't played it give it a go i think for 90 quid you can get the necromunda kind of starter box which comes with an escher gang a delat gang load of zone mortality scenery rule book and i think there's a campaign in that box as well so that's well worth putting on your christmas list if you are tempted yeah absolutely um, uh, again as ever massive thanks to games Workshop for sending us this to us a little bit early for free of charge to review for you guys excellent as matt alluded to you can um check out his full written review over on com. i will put the link to that review in the podcast notes so you can just click that and it'll take you straight to that page and it is actually well worth checking out com at the moment because we have got not only the Necromunda review, but Andy's very kindly done as a review of the Middle Earth Balance Tomb box game, uh, the standalone box game. Um, we've also got some unboxing videos of the Stormcast Dragons on there, and we've also got a write-up of the new Dungeon Ball box game as well, so lots of content going on on the website. We are probably about, well, just over halfway through this week's podcast. We've got a really exciting top three coming up next, so let's get stuck into that. So for this week's top three, as we have now seen the well, they're on pre-order, aren't they? The new Stormcast Dragons, the Stormdrake Guard, and the two named dragons. They've been a long time coming, but they're finally here. And to celebrate this 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 these awesome new models coming out, we've decided for this week's top three, we're going to be looking back at our top three dragons. So um Matt, I think we're gonna start with you this week, because you, you are the master of dragons. Um so I'm I think you could dragons. make a, a a really good first top three for us yeah okay so well my third choice is is an oldie but a goodie and it's something that i saw in my very first white dwarf and it was the i believe fourth edition wood elf dragon ah so this is this is the 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 the, the, the wood elf dragon before they added all the sprites and rubbish to it it was just <laughs> a proper dragon it it all, all those fourth edition dragons looked the same they had the same basic kind of s-shaped body uh plastic wings i think it came with at the time generic plastic dragon wings and i don't know that that model just screams warhammer dragon to me i don't know about you guys those um s-shaped dragons they really had that kind of japanese kind of look to them didn't they yeah it's i i I really really liked and that just seems iconically warhammer to me which is something we haven't seen on a dragon for a while i'd like to see a reimagined dragon like that Say if uh, Lumineth get a dragon, I'd kind of hope that it is a new take on those. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really, really cool. So, so yes, yeah, so that that is my third choice. My second choice is a kit that I've been building and painting this week, and it surprised me how big they are. It is the Storm Drake Guard. They tower over um, Karazai on the flying stands. Yeah, they 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 did surprise me with how big they were when you when you got them out the box on Saturday. They're, yeah. they're very very nice. Uh, I, I think they've done this intentionally because when you look at their height and the average height of most models in the game, it, you can put those dragons into base base contact with most stuff in the game and it's not going to interfere. Yeah, because they're flying over them. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good idea, uh, and they look cool as well. Uh, one of the design features of them. There's four different neck poses. So a, a lot of Stormcast players will be going all dragons. So having 
even it's just like the neck looking four different ways gives you a lot of variety across the army likewise the riders have got quite a few different heads and weapon options and stuff as well so you're not going to have the problem where all your dragons look the same which is a really good thing if you want to do a full dragon army yeah it got me how Um, different the two dragons that you built how different they looked like yeah exactly they were completely different and you know even if you had the head looking the other way that mixes them up a little bit more yeah they're really really cool uh highly recommended but in number one well it it, it could only ever be one model couldn't it and it is <laughs> Vorgrath and scarlock the score host of corn the biggest dragon in the warhammer range you want to say yeah Unless absolutely yeah. got a non-dragon dragon that's bigger i don't think so no um yeah, it's it's an amazing model. I was lucky enough to get one for my birthday a couple of years ago. Um, and yeah, I've had a great time painting it. I had a great time throwing it around the battlefield and basically decimating anything it runs into. From a rules point of view, I'd like to I like it to have a ward save. Maybe mm. uh, it's it's a lot of points for something that doesn't have a ward save. There's ways of getting getting it a ward save, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's a little bit vulnerable compared to some like models in a lot of armies at the minute, but it's still really cool and it tops my list. And it's won you awards as well. It has. I, I, I've come third in two events with it, I think, which is yeah. awesome. But that was on the old uh, the old corn book because unfortunately a lot of things became holy within eight inches, and the base is bigger than eight inches. So a lot of the buffs that it used to benefit from it can't anymore. Mm. So hopefully, if we get a new corn book, I hope it gets a bit of a tweaked profile and uh, takes advantage of some new rules. There's a model that nearly made my list, and it might be on one of yours. It's Maug. The reason it didn't make my list is I'm sure this model used to be £290. It is currently 380 which <sighs> I think is a bit on the pricey side. Uh, it's a lot on the pricey side. Yeah, uh, Smog was... Uh, it was an honourable mention for me as well, but yeah, that, that price point, I'm just like, I, I don't think I could ever justify that. No, and that's why yeah. I haven't got it. I, it was a, a, a while ago, it was cheaper. I was um and R and it was expensive at sub three hundred pounds. Now it's just shy of four hundred. I, I unfortunately, I, as much as I love the model, I, I can't justify it. Sadly. No, no that's, that's that's a lot. <coughs> Andy, would you like to enlighten us with your top three? Yeah, so my top three. So my third choice is a bit of a controversial one on the podcast. So my third choice is the high elf dragon. <gasps> Andy, Andy, Andy. I love you, Andy. You are the one. Only joking. It's for Dreadlord on Black Dragon. (laughs) (laughs) The far superior Elven Dragon. The far superior Dragon. It's standing tall. It's got big jaws. It's got wide wings. And it overshadows the rider on top. So for me, the Dreadlord on Black Dragon is by far the most superior out of all of the elven dragons, including the pesky high elf dragon. <laughs> too, it's too skinny. Um, <laughs> it's, it, I don't like its pose. Um, it, it's got a stupid grin. Um, <laughs> I mean, is that its tail that's keeping it on the base? I don't know. It could be something else. I, I just don't. I just know. I, I'm just not a fan at all. That's nowhere near my top three. 
for the listeners at home, like I said, a controversial topic on the podcast. <laughs> so my, my second choice is um, one that Matt's got. It's uh, Volgarath, Viscard and Scalloc. Um, for me, this is like, this is a dragon, right? This is massive. It's huge for Age of Sigmar. It's taller than a Mega Gargan. It's big. It's broad. Its wings are ginormous. And the model itself, if you were to put it on a display board, basically takes up the same amount of space as probably mm. about half of most of my armies. Yeah. But seeing it on the table, you definitely look at it and think, wow, yeah, this is this is how dragons should be. This is how all of the dragons should be, not just the four-year-old 1,100-point dragons. You know, this is how the Dreadlord and Black Dragon should be. <laughs> So for me, that was my second choice. But my first choice, my first choice, I haven't actually seen in the flesh yet, but I've seen its brother in the flesh. So Matt has got Karazai. Is that the name? Have we got that right? Karazai, who looks cool. He's all right. He's not bad. But I think Krondus Son of Jacobian is my number one choice because not only is he a big scary dragon, but he's also smart enough to be a wizard. He is mm. a wizard, and he's got more of a stormcast aesthetic than than, than his brother. He's got those armor plates. He, I think he maybe gels better with the stormcast army. Uh, yeah, he's, I, he's my favorite as well, Andy. Uh, when I come to pick up this box, that'll be the first one I build. Yeah, I. I I sort of looked at it and thought, you know what, that is a dragon that I would happily build. And when, like, I've got the um, the Stormcast stuff from Dominion. I've built a few bits and stuff like that. And I did a Stormcast army way back in the day when they first came out, when Age of Sigma was first released. But, yeah, looking at this big dragon, I, I think it's definitely something that I would love to add to the army. Um, and, yeah, the fact that it's a wizard is also a bonus. And the armor plates just look so super, super, super cool so that's my first choice excellent yeah that 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 to be honest like when i was doing my top three i figured that the the, the big two named dragons would make an appearance the star drakes would that would make an appearance so i want to my top three is almost completely forgetting that they exist because otherwise they, they would be they would be in this so here we go here is dave's top three and we're going to kick things off with my third choice it's not a controversial subject it is fact. It really, this should be higher on my list. My third choice is the High Elf Dragon. Oh, Dave. <laughs> it's just, I, I just, I, I know you guys don't like it, and it's probably a bit small now, but honestly, I love its pose. I love the fact that it, it's proper in flight. Um, I just, I loved everything about this dragon. I wish I still had it. I'd probably convert a Stormcast on it or something. Um, I really like this dragon. That's all I'm gonna say. It's it's ten times better than the, the the dark elf one. They got rid of the wrong dragon from the range when uh, the uh, the refresh cities of Sigmar. That's my personal opinion. Um, so uh, there's not much else I can say on that subject. We've spoken about it a lot on the podcast. You'll you all disagree with me, but I think he's amazing. It's a high elf dragon. My second choice. Um, I actually saw you using um some of these on Saturday, and I've never really looked at them in person all that much. Um, so my second choice are the Dracoffs from the Stormcast Eternals. 
Dragons in yeah. all but without wings, really. And they're really imposing. Um, they're really sort of, you know, the, the, the stone castle that sort of sit on top almost look like their Thunderstrike armor as well. So they, they really go with the new Dominion Stormcast range. Uh, and when I was looking at yours, I was like, I'd, I'd really like to get a, uh, a Lord Celestine on. Because I did have the Lord Celestine on um, Dracoff, the one that came with the original starter set. But I think you could you could probably make a nicer one from the multi-part box. So, yeah, you can. And, and obviously with the new the new books now, your you, you spare Forminator can just be taken as a single one as well. Yeah, so I might I might have to do that. Seeing seeing those that yeah, I, I really really like them. Um, the dragon lines are, are cool, but I think these are, are slightly cooler because they're more dragon like, aren't they? Um, they've definitely got that in the face and stuff. And my top choice, I believe he's a dragon, or at least he's some descendant of a dragon. He's probably appeared in more of my top threes than any other Warhammer model, but my top choice. Is the Moor Crusher? The Moor Crusher. I guess he is a dragon, isn't he? I, I see. I tried to Google it before the show, but I'm sure I read somewhere that he is pretty much a dragon. And you know Age of Sigmar as well quite well. Is is he a dragon? Can I class him as a dragon? It, you know what? For my earlier remark about the high elf dragon, I'm going to say yes. Although <laughs> I think technically he's closer to a wyvern than a dragon. Oh, there we go. We're going they, to... Aren't they? Aren't they a descendant of dragons? Aren't they related? Yeah. So yeah, the difference with the wyvern, different. It's, it's down to the number of limbs they've got, isn't it? Yeah, because the dragon's got four limbs and then wings, but a wyvern's only got two limbs and wings. Yeah. But a moorcrusher has four limbs and wings. Uh, well, its wings are kind of attached to its. So there you go. Limbs. So it hasn't. It's it's so that so they it's a wyvern then by definition, which to be fair is what the old orc boss on wyvern model was they know mm. dragons they had wyverns instead yeah or wyverns if, if you prefer to pronounce it that way <laughs> so there you go there there is my there is my top three controversial it may be um i still love that hair off dragon i'm gonna have to pick one up at some point off ebay or something um just to paint it up just so i can show it to you guys and prove to you that it's an awesome model um Jay criticised as well, but he used to have one, so I'm I'm not standing for it. Not standing for it. Um, well, there there are top three choices. I think it's time to check out what the community have chosen in our final segment of the podcast, which is coming up next. It's time to find out the dragons that the community like. So, Matt, what do we have over on Twitter? So Fabius Fulgrim said number three, the Helldrake, which nearly made my list because it's technically a dragon. Uh, number two, the Zombie Dragon. And number three, uh, number one, uh, Asarnil the Dragon Lord. I don't recall this one. I don't know if any of you guys know. Doesn't ring a bell. No, it doesn't ring a bell with me. Well, that's that's Fabius Fulgrim's number one. Immortan Joe uh, says number three, Smaug. Number two, the Star Drake. And number one, Vorgrath the Scarred. At this point, you could do a top three, top threes. Vorgrath has been in. Yes, we need to do that. <laughs> Most of them, I think. Uh, Daz Moore says, Zacharias the ever-living zombie dragon. The Sisters mm. of Twilight Forest dragon. Not as good as the fourth edition one. And Scarlet, <laughs> of course. Anonymous Rex says, the Xeno dragon. Now, we were sent one of these to build up, and it's a ridiculous kind of like half dragon, half uh, xenomorph. It's amazing. 
I'd love to use it in an RPG or something. Mm. Number two, Dogon the Firestorm. I don't know the model or the range it's from, but he's included a picture and it looks amazing. It's kind of like a weird looking, it looks a bit like a fell beast. It's kind of scrambling over some scenery in a really oh, like, wow. natural pose. It looks really weird. I, I like it. And number one, Smaug. The model is always tempting me from his display case in the local GW. Mm. Uh, Tam the third says Karazai, the Carmine dragon. Now, I imagine that one probably would have been on Jay's list because he's a big fan of that dragon. Which yeah, I don't think it's available dragon. anymore. And no. um, Egrim van Horstman's dragon from back in the day. We're talking like third, fourth edition Warhammer there. Mr. Vincent Notley says Galrouch. So this was the two-headed chaos dragon that I'm really surprised we haven't seen reinvented in Slaves to Darkness. It's Not just yet. crying out for a, a, a two-headed chaos dragon, isn't it? Um, Karazai and the Stormdrake Guard. Check out Notley's Instagram and Twitter. He's done a great job on the Stormdrake Guard and Karazai in a kind of black and cream scheme that looked really cool. Um, and finally, Andy says the Sisters of Twilight on Forest Dragon, the Sorceress on Black Dragon, and the new Stormdrake Guard. So yeah, some awesome dragons there. Yeah, some very very awesome dragons, and I'm sure we'll see lots more of them um, as, as the hobby continues. Maybe we'll see some more. I think we will see some Chaos Dragons. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? To fight off against the two new named Stormcast mm. Dragons, that'd be epic. Led by Archeon. Oh yeah, that'd be ace. Um, that asset, that leaves us with, with one question, Matt. What is next week's top three? Well, this is one that cropped up while um, we were at Warhammer War over the weekend. And it is. We want to know the top three worst ways to die in the worlds of Warhammer. <laughs> I'm so glad you picked this. I think this is going to be a really fun top three. Um, I, I want to see some really out there um, answers from, from the community. Um, there's some that are instantly jumping to mind. There's some that we discussed on Saturday. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really fun top three next week. Yeah. Uh, look forward to see what you guys come up with. <laughs> um, you can get your choices in early advice at our social media, or you can wait until the Sunday and Monday when we put out a post asking for your top threes, and you can click reply to that uh, and let us know, and we'll read out as many as we can on next week's show, which is ever-increasingly getting closer to Christmas, guys. It is, it is. Well, on that, on that next week, we're having a bit of a, a, a an early year in review episode just because of scheduling and the fact that christmas is rapidly approaching so uh, mm-hmm. if anyone listening at home made some hobby resolutions we'd also love to know did you manage to achieve your hobby resolutions because we'll be chatting about how we got on with ours yeah so uh so yeah get in touch at spruce and bruise on twitter or head over to facebook.com forward slash bruise and bruise and pop a comment on there it's been a fun podcast, guys. I'm sure Jay will be joining us again next week. Um, I hope everybody has a great week of hobby, and we'll speak to you all again very soon. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Spruce and Bruise podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruceandbruise.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruceandbruise or head over to facebook.com forward slash sprues and brews.